This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. And away we go. Episode 61 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, having no idea who Harvey Keitel is, is Brittany Page. Who is that? <laughs> I'm being serious. Who? Goddamn. Every time. Who is that? It's, it's becoming a little ridiculous. Just a little bit. We let me fill the audience in. Just fill me in too, because I don't I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Earlier today, we were watching something, and there was a movie, and Harvey Keitel was in it. The actor, the famed actor, Harvey Keitel, right? And he had a funny line, and I laughed. And she's like, "Oh, who is that?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck! It's the same guy that you don't know who he is every single time." I laugh or comment on him or talk about him. This freaks me out a little bit because even right now I'm trying to picture what he looks like and I can't I can't picture his face. He's an iconic Hollywood actor. He has been in fucking a uh, many 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 films. If he was put in front of me in a lineup, I would likely pick him out as the person that committed a crime. Or something, because I don't know who he is, and I still can't picture who he is right now. Goddamn. Is there something wrong with my brain? I, I would say so. We might have to poll the audience, but I... <laughs> I'm not creating a survey for that. <laughs> well, I, listen, I know you're not alone in this. I mean, we have many friends, um, some whose memories are worse than others, but mm -hmm. it is certainly an affliction. No names. No names. No, we're not going <laughs> to name any names, but it's it's just fucking odd to me. That it's been at least three times you've told me you don't have any idea who he is. I don't believe that. At least three times. I think you're lying a lot right now. I am definitely not lying a lot. It it might be a little bit. Right. Okay. But I'll that, give you that. that. That tends to be kind of the fucking routine. Right. You know what? I want to give a quick shout out to Mark because he posted a picture of those delicious Trader Joe's chips that I had talked about. Oh, yeah. The South African style chips from Trader Joe's. And he agrees that they are delicious and addictive. He also he, he also thinks that maybe the Trader Joe's should be sponsoring the show because we're clearly providing them revenue. Right. Via the sale of their delicious South African potato chips. Right. And, and while I, you're at it, go get some pumpkin JoJo's because those are also really good. Aren't those are just the little like Oreos, right? The cookies. Yeah. With the pumpkin cream in the middle. Yeah. The fantastic. Yeah. Well, oftentimes when you taste something that's pumpkin, like what? Oh, it's their coffee. Uh, what are we going to do? Another fucking spot for, for Trader Joe's? Yeah. Apparently their, their coffee. Their pumpkin flavored coffee, which is pre ground and everything, is we bought a thing of it and bleh. Nah, no, that is not a good situation. No fucking good. So it, it's very much like drinking liquid potpourri. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. That, it's gross. Yeah, that's really good. It tastes like chemicals. It's really not good. Well, we are effectively 
completely fucking ourselves right now where it relates to getting Trader Joe's to sponsor any, anything. Because you can't speak very highly of one product and then just shit on the other. Everything has to be good. That's true. Well, we'll just edit that part out. <laughs> just like that? That's yeah, how it works? Yeah. All right. Good to go. Well, on with the show, everybody. We, we're we going to start with a, a very fu- fucking captivating, fascinating story unique to itself kind of a is it racist kind of a thing and we'll I mean, we'll obviously we'll discuss it but uh we'll just i guess i'll let the the local news clip or the, actually it's national news cbs news um did a news package on it and i'll let them uh let them tell you about it i've always wanted a child jennifer cramblett and her partner amanda Zekin looked forward to becoming parents they went to the midwest sperm bank in a chicago suburb back in 2011 requesting sperm from a white donor with blue eyes. It was the most amazing feeling to know that I had a child that I was going to be able to raise to call my own. But that excitement turned to concern when Jennifer, five months pregnant, called the facility requesting the same donor sperm so Amanda could get pregnant. The center gave Jennifer the vials of an African-American donor. She says the mix-up happened because the sperm bank keeps handwritten instead of electronic records which allowed the donor numbers to be misread. After a moment of panic, of, um, oh, Lord, everything's changing on me so quickly, um, I knew I had to be strong. I have this child in my, my stomach. Jennifer gave birth in 2012 to a beautiful biracial girl named Peyton. But raising Peyton in their predominantly white Uniontown community, Jennifer says, may be challenging. I want her to feel like she has a place with the people that she has a place with, white, black, Asian, any, any, whoever she feels comfortable around. Jennifer and her partner suing, her attorneys demanding change. I've never seen a case like this in my career. We want them to change their procedure so it's transparent and hopefully this will prevent this from ever happening again. Midwest Sperm Bank apologized saying, quote, we are so very sorry for the mix-up. We would like to refund the cost of your vials. This is a life you are creating. You have to take all the measures possible to make sure you get it right. So are they going to be refunding the the cost of the vials or the sperm-filled vials? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On second listen, that's a pretty terrible package they put together. It's two lesbian lesbian women, a, a, a couple, who one of them used a specific donor's sperm to have a baby. Right. And the other one wanted to also have a baby. They're together. They're, they're, I don't know if they're married. Probably not. Five months into the first pregnancy, she wanted to have a baby. From the same donor. Right. White, blue-eyed donor. And when they got the sperm and she got pregnant from it, it was a black dude's sperm. So yes. she's having a mixed baby. Had. She, if she has had a mixed baby, that's right. So what's great, what's great about this is how artfully she dances around while being interviewed, not saying, she says, Oh, and now everything's changing around me. Rather, she's now saying, Look, I wanted a white baby, but now I got a black baby. That's not what I asked for. Right. Now they had the baby. They love the baby. Everything. That's all. That's awesome. They, they seem like great people. I have one criticism of the couple before we move on to really get into the crux of it. They're acting as though it's going to be a problem to raise a mixed-race baby in their small community. 
Is it going to be any harder than being a lesbian in your small, shitty community? Well, maybe that's kind of it all gets compounded because they're lesbian and then they have a mixed baby. And so yeah, it's, yeah. it's just all of it is a problem. Right. But so when this story popped up on the map on the Internet, everyone was going is there crazy. A map? There's a map? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really big. And <laughs> everyone was making comments saying that this woman is racist because ludicrous and it's just it's very strange i don't know where people are getting that because it's not as though when they were five months pregnant and found out their baby was going to be black that they went off and got an abortion right which they could have done or that they gave the baby away they decided to keep the baby they love the baby it's just that when they were going through the book picking out which donor they wanted like people do they chose a specific person and they paid for that specific person. Well, and it's not even, is it racist that they wanted a baby that looked like them? That's not racist. That's when black people have babies together, their babies are, you know, for the most part, black. Right. When Mexican people have babies together, their offspring are not Norwegian. They are Mexican. Right. <laughs> so I don't think that it's a bad thing that they wanted to have the baby grow up looking like them so when the baby gets old enough to ask questions it's not hey mom why don't i look like you why do we have why am i black and you're white i mean maybe they didn't want to face that and that's their choice right the second thing is they fucking paid for a service exactly if this and also if the script if the script was flipped here and it was a black couple who ordered a black baby and they got that norwegian baby they would be well within their rights to sue and to to, to need to, to to want some uh, to have grievances. Right. And it's weird that this company keeps records, written records. What yeah. is this? The VA? Yeah, I mean, no it's 2014. <laughs> you need to use a computer and file your records appropriately. Right. But I am going to I read something in this Slate article regarding this couple. And one of the things that she acknowledged was that she has cultural competence that is limited in this area and she cited one example where she's found it stressful to go into a black neighborhood to order a haircut for her daughter now that just seems a little weird to me like going a little too far right well they need to (laughs) they need to show damages and they need to prove to a court and i'm sure that this will be a civil it's a civil matter not a criminal matter but they're, they need to show to a court that they do have damages and there are, there has been a wrong committed against them. I think they'll get their money. It's 50 grand. So you're saying something that's more stressful than having to go to a black neighborhood to get a haircut for your daughter? Well, listen, when, <laughs> when you, when you file a lawsuit, you need to fucking pile on the grievances. You need, really need to show, oh my God, we've been harmed and hurt by this. I think. I have to sometimes go into sketchy neighborhoods might be <laughs> right the wrong way to go about it. She also talked about a family member of hers that is racist. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the court is supposed to take that under advisement? Yeah, that uncle, my uncle's racist. Uh, uncle Travis hates blacks and Jews, so yikes. It's going to make Thanksgiving very awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might say inappropriate things to our daughter. God damn. So, clearly not racist. Listen, if you think it's racist, you should sound off. 657-464-7609. That is where you leave a less than three-minute voicemail. 
or you can text us there too. We'd love to hear from you about this because this is, it's very interesting. It's a, it's a fascinating, unique type of thing. And it's just another testament to how technology is leading us into uncharted territory once again. Right. Another thing in the news, um, Amanda Bynes appears to have, um, Relapse. Yeah, relapse. I don't know if it's a relapse relative to her, to her, uh, her, her addiction, or if she's going through some kind of a, a traumatic brain thing, or a, a traumatic um, experience relative to her mental illness. But I know you've. I've been listening to Brittany. This goes out to the audience. Actually, everything I say goes out to the audience. That's kind of dumb. And me, because I'm also <laughs> sitting right here. <laughs> but I've been listening to Brittany for the last week pump her fist at the air screaming about how news outlets are being they're really being unkind and dickish in the face of her her ordeal yeah so i have one example where the daily beast they published an article because amanda Bynes just got a second dui and the headline was the amanda Bynes train wreck is back goddamn you're better than that daily beast and it's very upsetting because Amanda Bynes went through a very difficult period where she was getting plastic surgery, doing things to her face, posting pictures online and videos, acting very erratic and chaotic, and something was obviously going on. Then she got a DUI, and luckily her parents were granted a conservatorship over her where they were able to essentially just take her back under their wing. Right. They controlled her, just like Britney Spears. Right. They controlled her finances. They controlled... Um, her goings on. I mean, they had, it was as though she was a child again. Right. And she was in a psychiatric hospital. She was under a mandatory psychiatric hold. Right. All of these things happened to her. And it was reported that she was either suffering from schizophrenia or bipolar disorder with psychotic features. Explain that. What, What exactly does that mean? Well, psychotic features would just mean that she's having a break in reality. So the most common thing I can relate it to is schizophrenia. It would just be that they're having a break in reality. That's all that that means. And so this just means that she's having a severe mental problem. And for people to say, oh, the crazy train's back or. So it's a psychological issue. It's not she's just getting drunk and partying. She's not fucking Paris Hilton who's off the rails again. It's it's someone with a a verifiable, diagnosable mental illness who needs help. She right. doesn't need to be taunted and teased and made fun of, especially by, look, if you want to be with your buddies and make jokes in the privacy of your home, that's one thing. But a major news outlet in the United States does not need to be poking fun at someone with a medical condition. Well, that's the thing. It just contributes to the stigma and the media has more of a responsibility to report things accurately and to set the standard for how people form their opinions. Right. So someone's going to read that Amanda Bynes headline. And I saw it. I saw all kinds of terrible comments. Reposting all the pictures from her Twitter feed from previous years when she was, you know, having a rough time. Right. And there's been memes made out of those making fun of her. And this is someone that you're making fun of that is mentally ill. Right. It's it's akin to this. If Patrick Swayze prior to his death was photographed puking in public as a result of his chemotherapy, 
the Daily Beast wouldn't say, huh, Patrick Swayze's out there again, puking in public. They wouldn't do that. Right. Because that would be irresponsible and fucking prickish. <laughs> right. But for some reason, there's not that with mental illness. Yeah. And I don't understand yeah. what's wrong with that. But there's also that meme of Britney Spears where she's shaving her head mm-hmm. and they it says something about at least you're having a better day than Britney Spears had in 2007 or whatever. Right. She also had a breakdown. Yeah. Where her parents were granted conservatorship and took over her empire and controlled her schedule and everything because she was so mental that someone needed to step in and care for her and people make fun of it with that meme and it's not funny well they seemed they see her parents britney's parents were on first name basis me and britney you know yeah you are so it seems to me though that britney's parents handled it differently and more responsibly than amanda bynes parents because amanda bynes parents are going as far as to deny that she has issues and are just chalking this up to to addiction, which, I mean, being an addict isn't the only. She does. It, it's not like she can't be both. That right. she can't have mental instability issues and addiction issues. They they go hand in hand. Oftentimes they go hand in hand. And and t- like the homeless issue in in the United States, and I'm sure in other countries. A lot of the time, the homeless that you see on the street are drunkards because they're self-medicating to stop the voices in their head and th- that type of thing. So th- they oftentimes go hand in hand. Right. And so even if she was a drug addict, she's still someone that needs help. And it's not something right. that needs to be ridiculed because there are people that are drug addicts that need help. They don't need to be made fun of or it's just it's weird to me that it's 2014 and this is still happening we still need to explain what medical conditions are and what's appropriate in terms of talking about medical conditions the daily beast is certainly not going to shame her mental illness away it's not like you can you're you're going to embarrass her where she stops acting mental you you can't shame cancer away you can't shame other diseases out of existence right they're going to be there they're going to exist so the Daily Beast, for which I have a quite a bit of respect as a news outlet, they fucking drop the ball on this one. Pretty heavy. Right. And so just to end the Amanda Bynes segment, yeah, I right. would just like to say that I hope she gets the help that she needs and that she's able to drown out the public response to her behavior. Yeah. And that she just focuses on her recovery. Yeah, I I agree. I think that uh, sage advice, Brittany Page. Thanks. Sage advice. Thank you. So last week, didn't make it on the show. I was waiting for the woman to respond to me before I uh, we talked about it, but she decided she didn't want to be on the show. Well, Renee Besicki, I don't know how to say her last name. There's a woman, and we've already posted the picture online. In fact, I'm on the page right now, and I'm going to pin it to the top so we can talk about it, and you can go to it. It's a woman who took a picture of herself with the American flag, the Holy Bible, and a pistol, a firearm. It's like those games where which one of these things doesn't belong? Right. She calls it the American (laughs) challenge, and she was challenging others to take similar pictures because it's, you know, show your pride. I don't know if that's what she sounds like. She is from Texas, so possibly. Um. Anyway, wait, wait, she's from Texas? Right, that's... she's from Texas. No. So, but she's not from Florida, so that's good. She's from upstate New York. She's I heard. got that much. 
So I I shared her post from her page and a bunch of comments came in on the on the on the Facebook page for the for the podcast. And subsequently, very shortly after that, she either deleted the post or made it private so it was no longer on my wall. Luckily <laughs> Luckily because I I know how people are and I know that they are they're either cowards or don't want to face the scrutiny. Uh, I saved a picture. I saved a copy of the picture and I posted it independently on my wall. Well, a firestorm of sorts, small, small fire, small brush fire storm started on the page and, uh, her friends came and they commented and anyway, and she still doesn't want to come on the show. She doesn't believe she's going to get her fair shake, but here's my thing. There are, I'm all for the flag. I think everybody knows, having uh, heard, you know, upwards of 61 times, possibly, that I served proudly in the United States Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> so I love the flag. I love my country. I do consider myself a patriot. I am. That doesn't mean I hate other countries or they're not allowed to be proud of themselves, but I am proud of the country that I live and that I've served. And I am also a supporter of the second amendment, which is the right to keep and bear arms. I believe if you want to own a machine gun, you should be able to own a fucking machine gun. I don't have, I want a machine gun. I don't have a problem with that. I don't even have a problem with the Bible, with people being Christians. I'm an atheist and I believe that it is silly to believe in gods, even the Christian God. I don't believe that, entity exists but if you need that and you feel like you need that to live a moral life and it helps you to live a more um loving moral life then god damn it go for it that's awesome my problem with this and i'm droning on here my problem with this is the thing in the middle the bible her burgundy bible oh look at me i'm all fired up banging the table the burgundy bible in the middle it has no business being metaphorically next to the flag. The American government and the, our country shouldn't be butted up next to your Bible. And, and it certainly, the Bible has no place next to a fucking gun. If you want to have a gun next to the flag and be carrying those two things, fucking great. But are you, are you fucking kidding me with this? That your Bible, that's, that's how you identify. That's the American challenge. Is your flag, your Bible, and your gun. It just... It's a little weird. It's a weird metaphor. Right. It's terrible. And I, listen, I, I, like I said, I, I offered her to come on the show. I told her I'd give her a fair shake. I think my audience absolutely knows I'm going to give someone a fair shake if they take the time and the earnestness to come on the show. Well, and not only that, if she felt as though... It was going south during the interview. She could just hang up hang or, up. you know, abort, yeah. abort challenge. Right. Sure. So I'm disappointed that she didn't come on because she absolutely, Renee, you would have gotten a fair shake, but, you know, you chose otherwise. Um, I, I disagree with the metaphor that you're creating, and I am going to hijack. I just had an idea. <laughs> I am going to hijack hashtag American challenge. And I want to, what do you think we should do? If, if you see something good that's happening, whether it be giving to charity or 
just acting like a decent human being, we need to hijack American Challenge and make it something good, not this weird metaphor about the Bible and guns and what the fuck. I think that's a great idea. Well, let's do that. And any suggestions from the audience would be very, very welcome relative to hijacking her weird, her weird thing. Right. Let's create a more authentic American challenge. Yeah. A more, a more genuine. Right. Isn't that what I talked about last week? Be genuine, everybody. Be fucking genuine. Is that going to be your new signature sign off? It is. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's like stay classy, San Diego. Mine's going to be be genuine, everybody. Perfect. So if you have anything to say about that, I just pinned it to the Facebook page. And of course, you can call the phone number 657-464-7609. Leave us a voicemail or text us. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Rand Paul. Rand Paul is in the news. News. Once again, I am almost certain this guy's going to run for office for the presidency. And he, he had a little dust up with the, the anti birth control crowd this week. He did. Yeah. He's being too reasonable for them. <laughs> so while on a college tour in South Carolina this week, a woman asked Paul if drugs that prevent conception like plan B should be legal. He said, matter-of-factly, quote, I'm not opposed to birth control. That's basically what Plan B is. Plan B is taking two birth controls in the morning and two in the evening. I'm not opposed to that, and I don't think there should be any laws opposing that. That's awesome. Well, it's this. So often, politicians, they skirt the fucking question, or they give a non-answer, or they answer a different question that wasn't asked. And he didn't. He didn't evade it at all. He said, I'm not opposed to birth control. Right. And it's gotten him into trouble. Well, so many people believe that Plan B is causes abortions. Right. And, and if, 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 if the sperm has met the egg and fertilized it, Plan B won't work. You're fucking pregnant. Right. And obviously he knows that because he said that. Right. And he's just taking the rational scientific position of fact. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that upset many people, like social conservative Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council. He attacked him on Twitter, and apparently that left Team Paul fuming. I don't know what that means. (laughs) And Who wrote this, Daily Beast? Right. They did, actually. (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) And then Brian Fisher, Truth Wiener. Truth Wiener McGee. Right. He's the radio host and the director of issue analysis for the American Family Association. Mm. And he wrote that when Rand Paul endorsed Plan B, he, quote, jeopardized his pro-life credentials and his 2016 chances. Ugh. So being reasonable and rational and understanding science is going to cost him the presidency. Right. So now pro-life bloggers are jumping on board and wondering if they should disqualify Paul from garnering their support in the upcoming presidential primary. And... Rand Paul's senior aide, Doug Stafford, replied to all this. He said, Senator Paul is 100% pro-life and in favor of contraception, as he stated plainly the other day. Contraception is not abortion, and those who misunderstand this subject do harm to the pro-life cause. I believe that to be true. 
I do. I believe that strongly to be true. You 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 have friends, Brittany. You have friends Uh-oh. who who are ardently anti-abortion. Right. Freakishly anti-abortion. I am, for the most part, anti-abortion. I believe that if you if you have a baby, or I'm sorry, if you get pregnant and you're like, oh shit, it's not a good time for me, and a few weeks in you have an abortion. I think that's fine. It's a clump of cells. However, if you're in the fourth month, the fifth month, which in some states is legal, you've got a baby in there. At some point, it's no longer a group, a grouping of cells. It's a baby. I believe that. And I don't think that's irrational. I'm certainly not fucking Richard Dawkins who believes on your due date, you can go in and have it fucking sucked out or cut out. And it's just an abortion. At some point, it's a baby. So I'm not completely wacky on abortion. However, these people who are wacky on abortion, who don't want to allow a woman to have an abortion who's been raped, who don't want an abortion in the case of incest, they're fucking, they're, they're out of there. But here's the odd thing about those friends of yours. They're also completely against fucking birth control. Well, because they tend to be Catholics. And and they're like a one, they're a one issue voter, and their one issue is abortion. Yeah, and then they also bummer. are Catholic, which is against contraception. And it's weird because if you're against abortion, fine, that's totally legitimate. That's totally legitimate. That's fine. But why would you oppose the one thing that will completely eradicate abortion? Wasn't there wasn't there a city? That they, they did some kind of an experiment where they gave away free birth control in like a, uh, a lower income area where there were a lot of abortions. And right. then, and then they, what, do you, what are the details? It was in St. Louis. And so since 2007, a program there has offered teenagers free access to all types of birth control. This included birth control pills, intrauterine devices, and any other FDA approved contraceptive. And these St. Louis teens that were a part of this program have lower pregnancy, abortion, and birth rates than the rest of the country. And this new research was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'll also post a link to it because it gives a graph in this article. And the project was called The Choice Project, and it's run out of Washington University in St. Louis. Oh, that's the uh, Masters of Sex people. Yeah. Oh, really? It was Bill Masters. Yeah, that's where they were. Look at you knowing about stuff. I know stuff. (laughs) The program has so far provided more than 9,000 teenage women with no-cost contraceptive. Lots of participants in the program chose a long-acting reversible contraceptive, like one that's implanted in your arm. Deplavera or whatever, is that what it's called? No, that's the shot that lasts three months. Oh, oh, oh. It would be like an IUD. Like an implant. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know somebody who had one of those. Right. And those tend to be the most effective because they're inserted by a doctor. And when you're taking pills, people don't understand that you need to take them every day at the exact same time. Right. If you don't take them at the exact same time. the Their effectiveness wears dramatically. Right. And yeah. not only that, you can get sick. You can have period issues like having it, you know, a lot. And no one likes that. Like a, a 30-day period? Um, that would be a fucking bummer. Just continuous leakage i know when i have my periods they're very light my flow is very very light but you Mm. know when i'm when i'm on the pill though Mm -hmm. it's it's taken care of wait i should have said they were really heavy like chunky 
Oh yeah. Like I'm having constant abortions. Clots, right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, this is <laughs> this is just like half gallon buckets of cottage cheese are just getting dumped out into the sink. No one is enjoying this right now. <laughs> so separate but similar programs. Hey, fuck you! I'm having a good time. Separate but similar programs have had similar results. Colorado saw teen birth rates decline 40% when it began providing free access to birth control. So here's the thing. Abortions completely go down when you give women access to contraceptive. Right. When you give them control over their sexual reproductive health. And and why shouldn't this be a thing? Why are people against birth control? It's just completely nonsensical. It's we want to keep women down. We don't want to allow them to have control over their reproductive rights. Well, it's also this. If you do believe that birth control is evil, evil, if you think it is, then you have to, 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 to look at it. And obviously you think abortion is evil. What you need to do is, which is the lesser of the two? Which can you fucking live with? You clearly can't live with abortion. So why not settle on a, a, on, a, on a device that is going to lessen what you think is a horrible evil on our fucking world? Be smart about it. Be politically understanding of what the fuck is going on. And don't be so far right in your in your positions and in your ethos that you can't fucking see through the fog of your theocracy or of your of your of your theocratic way of fucking looking at things right and so obviously on our last show we talked about how Gallup did the polling on the moral acceptability and birth control was the only one that's highly acceptable at 90% of Americans so it's good that you know the belief is generally going away that it's negative but yeah. there are still people that believe this especially about plan B for some reason um but hopefully that will start to go away too and everyone will be more rational and want to eliminate abortion that'd be great that would be awesome that would be awesome so Get with it, fucking Catholics, and be more vocal against your church. It's, I think it's wacky. I think it's wacky that so many Catholics, and there is a large number of Catholics who oppose, who, or let's put it this way, who disagree with the, the church's position on birth control. Because not every fucking Catholic woman is not taking birth control. And what they need to do is rise up against the church's doctrines and take a fucking stand. There's got to be some kind of mobility that can be created relative to the position of the Catholic Church if the members of the church would actually do something. Ugh. Right. And we have a story about that that listener Allison sent to us. Um, show contributor. Allison. Right, right, show contributor. Contributor to the show, Allison, sent us a link about um a Catholic nun who is uh in her own little way taking care of biz. Right. And the Huffington Post ran an excerpt from a new book, If Nuns Ruled the World. And it talked about Sister Jeannie Gramick, and she is someone who has championed LGBT rights while remaining a nun and mm-hmm. within the Catholic Church. And it started when she met a stranger named Dominic at a house party, and he was gay, and they had a conversation. Nuns are going to house parties these days, huh? This was likely before she was a nun. Okay. 
And she met him and he had said that he was baptized, but he had left the Catholic Church because a priest told him he was going to hell Hmm. for being gay. Well, they do have the fucking, you know, the red hot bat phone to Jesus. So they know. The Bible? Yeah. No, no. Catholic priests. They have a phone. You didn't know this? No, I, I meant is the phone the Bible? No, no. They have a red phone that's like the bat phone or like like the nuclear codes, you know, like the president. And they they have it's a line straight to Jesus so they can just dial him up and he, they can give the guy his social security number or whatever and then tell whether he's going to hell or not. Mm, that's how God keeps track of us. The yep, social security right. number. Yep. It, it, some people think it's the mark of the beast and that might be true. So so she met a gay guy at a house party, and he had left the church because a Catholic priest used the phone and found out he was going to hell. Yeah, so that was kind of her introduction into how the church mistreats this population of individuals. And since 1977, she has been running New Ways, which is an organization that fights for equal, equal rights within that community. She says, when we first began, my role was tenuous. No one in the Catholic community had been assigned to gay ministry before. It wasn't even a thing. People were anxious about any sexual issues, much less homosexual ones. It's so fucking weird and damaging. Those superiors were women of vision. They stood by me, she says. And she says that her fight was about exclusion. It was about civil rights. She wanted to flip the script and pivot from a focus on sexual ethics to a narrative about social justice. Hmm. She said that lesbian and gay people have been marginalized because of their orientation. They are denied basic human dignity. And she says it is a clear affront to the social justice teachings of the church. Here's the thing. And I think she's a wonderful woman. I I wouldn't take anything away from her. Her efforts are, are are wonderful and she is championing a, a a beautiful cause. Here's my problem. If you're a Catholic especially, it's why is she a standout? Why is she someone special if your religion is all about love and all about grace and all about Christ's love and his his mission on 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 when he was on earth? Everyone, she should be fucking par for the course. Everyone in the Catholic Church, every leader in the Catholic Church should be doing this type of thing. Well, and that's what I was getting at earlier with the Bible being the bat phone, because right. they follow the archaic system laid out for them in the Bible. Right. Which says homosexuality is an abomination, you know, and people always say, well, it talks more about these things than homosexuality. Well, it still says that in there. Well, it's, so it's kind of it's 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 more it's more problematic that the, the the Catholic Church really has more of this attitude. You're just a woman with a small brain, with a brain a third the size of us. It's science. It's science. It's Catholic science. Right. <laughs> so Allison said thoughts on Catholics doing unconventional for the church in general acts of kindness, goodness, general humanity. She says, in my opinion. Things all Catholics and humans should be doing, such as advocating for LGBTQ rights. I I agree. And she said that the church she's getting married in flies a rainbow flag proudly out front. And how the fuck are they still on the Catholic payroll if that's what they do? That's what's interesting to me is if you're not going to follow the doctrine of Catholicism, 
how are you still a nun or how are you still participating in the church? It seems like you would be excommunicated. We can't have people not following our doctrine. We're not going to handle this. You're going to go. I mean, is the Pope still signing her fucking check every week? That's <laughs> that's it's weird to me. It is very strange because it just seems like that wouldn't be allowed within the system. Yeah. Very weird. But I mean, it's great. And and I, you know, I get a little angry when these stories come up because i'm like well why doesn't she just (laughs) abandon the church right the church is the problem but i get how someone would stay in the church and try to reform it from the inside you know try to get to their level still be a nun get on their level and try to do it from the inside it might be the most effective because no one listens to non-religious people well i'm certainly not going to shit on the lady i think she's doing She's doing fucking the Lord's work. She's doing what every Catholic should be doing. Not every Catholic. Well, every Catholic, but I'm speaking to the people in leadership positions. The people who who the Pope signs their fucking checks. That's who should be doing that. Well, and here's the other thing. Is, well, relative to her sticking around, I think that's great changing from it from the inside. But how does she reconcile what the Bible clearly says about homosexuality it is it is a sin punishable by death in the bible there's no way around that so i don't understand and it's tough for me to get my brain around how she has so much love and compassion for gays yet stays in a church that preaches from the same bible in which they're condemned to death I have a problem with that. I, I, I'm mean, like I said, I'm not here to shit on her because I think she is doing wonderful things. I just don't understand how she continues to be affiliated with an organization. And it's not just the Catholic Church. It's every Christian faith. It's every fucking faith. Every monotheistic faith on the planet, Muslims, Jews, and Christians all have terrible records relative to their feelings about gays because it's written in their texts. Right. And speaking of Islam. Oh yeah. That's a great look at you coming up with the fucking segues, everybody. See your, your brain's not smaller than mine. (laughs) And maybe because your head's smaller, there's no way your fucking brain's bigger than mine. Right. Because I have a giant pumpkin head. Yeah. It just, it had to grow larger to fit your brain. No shit. Well, it had to. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. (laughs) Oh, I thought that's where you were going with that. I'm saying. I'm just so used to being ridiculed. My head. Oh, right. I was just jumping on myself. My head is so fucking big. Maybe, maybe though I have a little pea sized brain and it's just, it's (laughs) like, it's hard to concuss me because my brain doesn't get jostled around inside this giant, you know, uh, carrier. Right. Which is my head. Carrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Muslim, uh, the Islam thing did come up this last Friday on Bill Maher's show. Real time with Bill Maher God on HBO. Damn. Uh, fucking Ben Affleck. Goddamn. You know, I was just talking to a buddy of mine today about, Hey, have you gone and seen Gone Girl yet? And I said, No, you know, I, I cause it's a movie I want to see. I said, I'm kind of waiting for the, the douchebag to wear off of Ben Affleck a little bit before I go see it. Cause I don't want his deplorable appearance on Bill Maher's show to color my view of the movie. And which is, it could happen. You know, I'm unhappy with him right now. 
Yeah, I am too. I I was very bummed out because I love me some Ben Affleck right. and he acted like a child. It almost seemed like well, he was what, on let, drugs. Let's give let's give um let's give the audience some background if they haven't seen the episode. So Bill Maher had famed atheist and neuroscientist Sam Harris on the show. And they began to talk about Islam. And Islam's treatment of maltreatment of women and homosexuals. And Ben Affleck got himself into a fucking tizzy, red-faced fury, inconsolable rage happened. And he began to act like, Brittany said, a fucking child. Failed us. And... Uh, the crucial point of confusion. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank God you're here. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the crucial point of confusion is that that we have been sold this meme of Islamophobia, where every criticism of the doctrine of Islam gets conflated with bigotry toward Muslims as people. Right. And that is uh, it's, it's intellectually ridiculous. So even it gets. So hold on. Are you the person who understands the officially codified doctrine of Islam? You're uh, the interpreter well, of that, well, so you well, can say, well, I, this I, is, I, I think any... I'm actually well-educated on this topic. I'm, I'm asking you, so I mean, you're he, saying, if I criticize that, you're saying that Islamophobia is not a real thing. That if you're critical of something... It, well, it's not a real thing when we do it. Right. Well, well no, <laughs> it no, really is. I'm not denying that, that certain people are bigoted against Muslims as people. That's, right. And that's a that's problem. Big of you. But the... But why are you so hostile to, about this? So I just want to comment there, because you can you can see... You can't see. You can hear that he's immediately um, De- super defensive. He's immediately raising the level of angst in the conversation by saying, wait a minute. So you're the expert on Islam. Like his attitude from the beginning well, is it, not going to encourage legitimate and intellectual discussion. It's also very fucking clear. He has no goddamn idea who Sam Harris is. Right. And he also fucking there's so much here. He says, Sam Harris says early on that to to paint all Muslims with that brush is intellectually ridiculous. That not all Muslims we're not he's he's separating Islam from the people right away. And fucking Ben Affleck didn't hear that at all. He just flew into his rage. It's, it's, it's gross. It's racist. It's not. It's but it's so not. It's so. It's like saying it's so not. You're shifty Jew. You're not listening Absolutely to not. what we. So he said it's a racist quote. It's like saying, "Oh, you shifty Jew." End quote. I didn't right. say it. And <laughs> it's they're not talking about race. They're talking about ideas. They're Re- talking about religion. religion. That's exactly they're talking right. about Islam. They're not talking about Middle Eastern people. Right. There are many different ethnicities that are involved in Islam. Absolutely. There are different continents that we're talking about when we talk about Islam. Right. Asia, Africa. Right. Uh, there, there are, it's not just one North fucking, America. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> fucking, I mean, I'm sure every continent with the exception of probably Antarctica, but. <laughs> Right, and that's the thing. He's saying it's racist. Well, no, it's... What are you talking about? It's not a race issue, Ben. It's not a fucking race issue. And it, it's not like saying you shifty Jew. I mean, it, this is saying a lot more about him than it is about anybody else. I, I really wish we could fucking... I really goddamn wish we, we had the video because 
I, I'm going to put it on the page. I'm, I'm going to put it on the page because you have to see him acting like a pouty little douche. He almost looks like he's going to cry. I mean, that's oh, yeah. how revved up he's getting. He's, his face is red. His, his lips are pursed like he's just so fucking angry he can't contain himself. At one point, he puts his heads, his head in his hands and he's just, he's just rubbing himself to soothe himself because he's so just discombobulated that anyone would dare, would dare disagree with the great and mighty intellectual giant that is Ben Affleck. And I don't know why I'm calling him Ben Affleck because I've called him Ben Affleck for years. Are saying you guys are saying if you want to be liberals, believe in liberal principles right. like freedom of speech, like right. um, you know we are endowed by our uh, forefathers with an inalienable life, like all men are created. No, Ben, we. Ha- First of all, <laughs> I got to shit on him a little bit here. Uh, we're not endowed by our forefathers. It says that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. He he and he knows that, but he didn't want to say that because, for whatever fucking reason have to be able to criticize bad ideas. And of course we do. Islam, no liberal doesn't okay, want to okay. criticize bad ideas. But Islam but why when, is the mother load of bad ideas. Jesus. So we have, we have That's ideas just a like, fact. like blasphemy. It's not a, it's it's an ugly apostasy. It is just basic liberal well, well, tolerance. Let, yeah, let, exactly. let me unpack but it. But not for intolerance. No, of course it's not. Fun. But the picture you're painting is to some extent true, but it's hugely incomplete. It is certainly true that plenty of fanatics and jihadis are Muslim. But the people who are standing up to them Malala, uh, Muhammad Ali uh, Dadak in, in Iran. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Malala, who's standing up to the to the, the the this trend in Islam about women not being able to be educated. Um, what happened to Malala when she stood up to these thugs? You mean when she just went to school on a bus as a 12-year-old girl? She got shot in the head. Yeah, they fucking shot her point blank in her goddamn head, Ben Affleck. A 12-year-old girl. Yeah. So tell me more about how, oh, Jesus Christ, I can't believe you're saying this. That's racist. Well, and just for clarity, that wasn't Ben Affleck talking. No, of course. No, but that, well, I think everybody heard his whiny little <laughs> voice. I'm just trying to do good radio work here and make sure everybody has the facts. Right. And he continues. On in prison for nine years speaking up for Christians. Uh, a friend that I had in Pakistan who was shot this year, uh, Rashid Rahman, for defending people accused of apostasy. Okay. But, or how about the more than a billion those, people who those aren't are fanatical, sincere. who don't punish well, women, who just want to go to school? Okay, wait a second. 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 So I just want to, before Sam Harris is able to talk again, would like to note that probably two minutes ago, he said twice, let me unpack this for you. Let me unpack this for you. And then it just kind of descended into chaos with all the yelling over each other. So Sam Harris backed out. And when you watch the video, you can see him just pick up his mug, back out and take a drink. He's fucking classy as fuck. Because he's not going to jump in and yell and talk over people. So right here, he's trying to say, let me, you know, unpack it for you again. Let me explain it. And finally, they're going to let him talk again. Well, and not without Ben Affleck being a fucking douche about it, though. Right. He's like, oh, well, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. When were you waiting? When you weren't yelling and fucking red-faced angry like a dick face? 
Religion with no, that. No, no, let, let's get down to who has the right answer here. A billion people, you say. All these billion people don't hold any of these... Five or something. Don't hold these pernicious beliefs? No, I wouldn't... Well, they don't. That's just not true, Ben. That's just not uh, true. Can I, can I just express Many how I think it breaks down the, the, the idea... You haven't even the, the, you're, you're trying to say that these few people, that's all the problem is, these few bad apples. The idea that someone should be killed if they leave... The That's Islamic horrible. That's okay. wait, wait, that, that but wait. You're saying that the idea way. that someone should be killed if they leave the Islamic religion is just a few bad apples. The people who would actually believe in an act that you murder somebody if they yes. leave Islam is not the majority of Muslims at all. Let me, okay, uh, is it? Let, let me. All right. Well, let's talk about that, Ben Affleck. Let's specifically talk about that. Afghanistan. This is. Among Muslims, this is Pew Research from 2013. Among Muslims, the percent who favor the death penalty for converts. Well, leading the list, Egypt. 86% believe that you should be put to death for leaving Islam. 86% in Egypt, a modern country. Jordan, 82%. The Palestinian Territory, 66%. Afghanistan, 79%. Pakistan, 76% of respondents believe that you should be put to death for leaving the religion. Malaysia, 62. So we get the idea. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Well, even, even, even some of the, the more modern, moderate countries like Lebanon, 46% believe that you should be put to death for leaving the fucking religion. It's it's not as easy as he, oh, no, no it's just wonderful, peaceful people, and ha-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. They are, in a lot of ways, peaceful people. Many Muslims are peaceful people, but their beliefs are not peaceful. The text from which they get those beliefs is not peaceful. Let me break this down for you. Okay, we have, as, you as you say, we have 1.5, 1.6 billion Muslims. Now, the second biggest religion in the world, a quarter. Well, Ben, let me let me unpack this. Let me unpack this for you. Please do. Um, we have a, this, 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 just imagine some concentric circles here. You have at the center, you have jihadists. These are people who wake up in the morning wanting to kill apostates, wanting to to die trying. They believe in paradise. They, Horrible they, they bad believe people in, that in, in martyrdom. Outside of them, we have Islamists. These are these are people who are just as convinced of martyrdom and paradise and, and wanting to, to foist their religion on the rest of humanity, but they want to work within the system. They're not going to blow themselves up on a bus. They want to change governments. They want to use democracy against itself. That, it, that, those two circles arguably are 20% of the Muslim world. Okay, this is, this is not the fringe. What are you basing that research on? A, a bunch of poll results that we can talk about. So uh, to, to give you one point of contact, 78% of British Muslims think that the Danish cartoonists should have been prosecuted. 78%. So I'm being conservative when I roll this back to 20%. But outside of that circle, you have conservative Muslims who are, can, can, write, can honestly look at ISIS and say that, that does not represent us, we're, that we're horrified by that. But they hold views about human rights and about women, about homosexuals, that are deeply troubling. So, so they, these are not Islamists; they're not jihadists. But they, but they, they those they, views they, are they divine. Uh, but, and but, but they also keep women and homosexuals immiserated in these cultures. And we have to empower 
the true reformers in the Muslim world to, to change it. And, well, what, and but, lying about the, the, the link between on, doctrine and, and about, behavior and, is not yeah. going to do that. But the, the great divide. So two things. One, if people don't know what the Danish cartoonist data is that he quoted, the Danish cartoonist was in September 2005. He drew a picture of the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah, that's right. That's all he did. He drew a picture. He drew a fucking cartoon of an image of Muhammad. Or what he, you know, a, a fucking cartoon. And it did not go well for him. No. He was receiving death threats, his life was threatened, and... They were burning the Danish flag in effigy. Right. Muslims. So These reasonable Muslims they're talking about were burning the fucking Danish flag in effigy and th- threatening to murder him. Right, so... so- Bill Maher on his last show was talking about how liberals need to stick with liberal principles and uphold liberal principles. But when it comes to criticizing Christianity, they have no problem. But when it comes to criticizing Islam, there's a problem. And Ben Affleck perfectly represents that system because Ben Affleck is a liberal. I'm sure he has no qualms criticizing Christianity and their oppression of homosexuals. But when Sam Harris brings up the fact that this belief is widespread in Islam as well, that we have a problem within this religion as well, he starts freaking out and you cannot criticize Islam. Why? We're doing the same thing with all religions. If you're oppressing women, if you're oppressing homosexuals, that's a problem. You're going to be criticized. It's simple. And it's not criticizing people. It's criticizing fucking ideas. Again, ideas do not deserve respect. People do. And sometimes people don't. <laughs> right. But that's it. He has, he, he, I'm sure he's quick to jump on the bandwagon to shit on the Tea Party, the Christians in the Tea Party about their views on, on gay marriage and their views on businesses not being allowed to discriminate against homosexuals. He's quick, I'm sure. However, like you said, anybody says anything about Islam, oh my God, you're fucking racist. It's like saying you shifty Jew. He's, he's out of his fucking mind. He's, I would agree with you that he very likely, well, goddamn, I gotta cover myself here because I'm sure he's very litigious. <laughs> it seemed to me a possibility that he was on some mind altering substance. He seemed a little cokey. All right. His, uh, <laughs> well, you might want to play the, the disclaimer right now, so I'm not a part of this lawsuit. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollimore are solely those of Jesse Dollimore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. All right. There you go. Perfect. So he his reaction was definitely disproportionate to what was being discussed. Like his wife wasn't being called a dirty whore and his right. his children weren't being talked about. It was a faith that he's not a part of. You know, maybe he knows someone personally who, you know, is a Muslim, but it was just very disproportionate. Another thing that's interesting to me, though, this question of are the people that have these beliefs, are they on the fringe? And no, they're not, because even Christianity in this country, we talked about it, you know, a couple episodes back. We talk about all the latest Pew research and 50 percent of Americans say that homosexuality is a sin. Right. 50 percent. Yeah. So that is a fundamentalist belief, right? And that's Christianity in this dangerous idea. It's a fucking dangerous idea. Right. Because it leads to the oppression of that population of people. Right. Now, he can criticize that. 
but he can't criticize the majority beliefs within the community of Islam. And it's just very strange that there is this. Yeah. This uneven ability to criticize things. I don't I don't understand what's well, going on. Let's give more context here. Uh, this was taken from the same poll, the same Pew poll. Taken from Muslims from these different countries asked. Uh, and this is the percentage of Muslims who completely or mostly agree that a wife must obey her husband. Are you ready for these? They're, it's fucking good. Uh, Malaysia, which, goddamn, what a scary place to live. 96% of people agree that a, that, that a, that a, that a wife must always obey her husband. I'm just going to go through the percentage. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, Indonesia, 93%. Thailand, 89% of Muslims believe that. Tajikistan, 89%. Um, Uzbekistan, 84%. I mean, let me get to some more traditionally known as Muslim countries. Um, even Turkey, a modern country, uh, 65%. Afghanistan, 94% of Afghanis believe that a woman must always obey her husband. Pakistan, 88%. Bangladesh, 88%. Iraq, 92%. Palestinian territory, 87%. Egypt, 85%. Jordan, 80 Lebanon, modern Lebanon, 74%. Yeah, and as the interview continues, Ben Affleck actually talks about having been to Turkey. He says, beautiful Muslim country, you have to go. Yeah. And as you just said, 65% of Muslims in that country completely or mostly agree that a wife should always obey her right. husband. Which is a lower percentage. There are many countries that I just named that are in the 90th percentile. What in the fuck? Ugh. He's just not, he's not being reasonable. He's not listening to reason. He's not, he's not hearing the words that they speak. But it's not just him. It's, we've played this on the show before. No one believing in Jesus commits mass murder. Bill O'Reilly. There's a vacuum somehow. There's that same fucking thing that's happening with, with regard to faith that people completely ignore. They won't face the facts. Fucking weird. So it's not just Ben Affleck. It's, it's others as well and not just Islam. It's Christianity. It's, it's other religions. Anyway, tell us what you think. 657-464-7609. Leave us a short voicemail there or text us. We would love to hear from you on this particular topic. So, Brittany has some very interesting research that was published in Psychological Science that is very near and dear to my heart, since I am a, a person who really fucking hates spoilers. Right. So, the research paper is published in Psychological Science, and it was titled, Story Spoilers Don't Spoil Stories. Hmm. Story spoilers don't spoil stories. Get it? Right. So spoilers of stories don't spoil stories. Right. <laughs> what a fun title. Scientists asked 900 college students from the University of California, San Diego, to read mysteries and other short stories written by writers like John Updike, Roald Dahl, Agatha Christie, and Raymond Carver. Hmm. Each student got three stories, some with spoiler paragraphs revealing the twist, and some without. Finally, the students rated their stories on a 10-point scale. 
Quote, subjects significantly preferred spoiled over unspoiled stories in the case of both the ironic twist stories and the mysteries. I don't buy it. And so they give some theories as to why this may have happened. They say one theory is that the anticipation of surprises actually takes away from our appreciation for the 99% of the movie that isn't the monster twist at the end. And they kind of gave the the quote that the second viewing is always more satisfying than the first because you're able to just pay attention to the movie. You're able to notice all the things that you may have missed rather than kind of waiting eagerly for what's going to happen. All right. We're going to talk about Sixth Sense specifically. And it's funny because that's the picture in this article is of Sixth Sense. Is it? Okay. Here's the deal. If you have not watched Sixth Sense, there are spoilers ahead. So, Turn off the fucking, turn off your shit, because after the story, we're done anyway. But go check out the Amazon link on dollamore.com up in the support the show link. Uh, that's what you need to do for sure, because that's the only thing else we're going to talk about after this. <laughs> but in Sixth Sense, I'm, I'm assuming everybody's gone now. In Sixth Sense, I, watching the movie the second time is part of the fucking fun. So if you, if the movie's spoiled, and you just watch and you get all of those things that you missed the first time because you weren't in on the fucking gag on the, on the twist. That's a bummer. So they're taking away that from you with no. the spoiler. Okay. I, the, I see that point. The first time I watched the movie, I was with a guy, a coworker. I don't even fucking remember this guy's name in Northern Virginia who that was not germane at all, but just a little, little, little bit of fact for you. I feel far more informed than I was previously, so that's great. <laughs> this guy, the whole fucking time we're watching this movie, he's like, oh, I wish I could tell you what's happening. Oh, my God, I wish I could fucking... Oh. What an idiot. God damn, it bothered me so fucking much, because I still it didn't I didn't figure it out, but had I been tuning into what he was doing, I, I may have been able to figure it out by w- which moments he was doing that. I don't like fucking spoilers. I don't like threats of spoilers. I don't fucking like that. And, and well, here's the other thing. I really enjoyed watching the movie the second time because it was a different movie the second. It's like watching two different movies once you know. So they're right. taking away the second movie from you. Fuck spoilers. Fuck them. Okay. So anyway, the second theory is that the audience enjoys predictability much more than we like to admit. As the famous screenwriting how-to manual Save the Cat explains, most successful movies fit into highly conventional formulas. You have the superhero movies, you have the yep. love stories, you know, romantic comedies, they're all the same. And where just about every person in the movie theater could probably guess the ending before the credits begin. So well, I, in certain movies, that's definitely the case. And that's sure. definitely the case with you. Shut your mouth because... I wasn't going to say anything. You're smiling across the table, everybody. And I know I sound mad right now. I'm not. I'll calm down. But Jesse has ruined many, many things for me. He's talking right now about how much he hates spoilers. My ass, he hates spoilers. <laughs> he doesn't hate to give them to other people. I'll tell you that. At least not me. Well, I don't do it with other people. I just... in the, And it's not spoilers like I know. I'm just, I'm just taking a stab in the dark and guessing when I reach when i when i lean over and 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 whisper into your ear what i think might be going on that's not a spoiler that's a fucking guess (laughs) except for you know what's going on because you just know and for those of you who don't know and i guess this would be a lot of people my writing partner and i it's the first time i've called him that on the show i don't i always say writing partner 
because I don't say partner because then they think I'm like some kind of bisexual or something. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But Brett, Brett, my writing partner, and I wrote a screenplay. We wrote a movie. It's one of the reasons I moved to California. And you haven't seen my movie because apparently we're terrible fucking screenwriters. <laughs> so I read a lot about writing movies. I read a lot about story structure. I read a lot about all this shit. So I, there is a formula. So it's easy to kind of fucking deconstruct what's happening. Not always. Sixth Sense was one, was a masterful fucking tale that was told. Right. Okay. So going with this second theory, they give an example of Chris Pratt's character in Guardians of the Galaxy. They say if you would have pulled the audience before the movie, approximately a hundred percent of them would predict that he survives, that he doesn't die at the end of the film. Right. But that doesn't mean that they had a terrible time watching it. They still enjoyed it. They laughed. That's, they loved it, yeah, but, even though they knew what was going to happen at the end. That's not a fucking spoiler. Well, no, because during the movie, you are kind of wondering, are they going to be okay? Are things going to work out? And it does. And you know it does, but you're still stressed out, even though you know it's going to be fine. And it, they're illustrating that phenomenon. So just quit trying to be all anecdotal all over this and say, well, I hate spoilers, so it doesn't matter. God damn it. You're yeah. making me very fucking mad right now. That's fine. Because spoilers are no good. <laughs> They're fucking no good. Okay. This research can eat my ass. Mm, okay. You dick! Yeah, no good. Hmm. What? Anything else? Nope. Are you, you clamming up on me now? No. All right. Well, we'll leave this. Uh, we'll we'll leave the show there. Spoilers for another day, everybody. I need to go eat my chips. So if we could get this rolling, <laughs> that'd be great. We have gone long on this episode too. We actually cut a story. We cut Marius, listener Marius. He submitted a taking care of biz, which we're gonna have to get to next episode. Right. So look for that on episode sixty-two. Sixty-two, everybody. Listen, we fucking love you guys. So much. We appreciate you every moment that you're listening. For those, th for those of you who are a start to finish listeners, that's awesome. We, uh, we really appreciate you. Right below you though, we, we appreciate the listeners who listen to almost all of every show. And then below that, you know, fuck you guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Until next time, everybody, stay genuine. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. You know, I like it here. It doesn't mean because I go here. I'm a genius.